So tonight, let's, this is what's been on my heart uh, today, and I've, uh, I've actually just, a simple title, a simple title this evening that I want to remind you of something. And uh, we've, actually, we've actually been reminded about it during this season. You know, there's some things that when things are going well and the, the winds are calm, the winds of life and uh, the seas are not stormy, you know, but we've got some stormy seas that are going on in our nation right now, some very challenging times. But I want to remind you of this, and here, here it is. This world is not our home. Now, I want you to think about that. We, we get so attached. And, you know, some of you, some of you haven't thought about this. Maybe lately you have because of what's going on. But some of you, you go through seasons and, and you, you, don't, you don't even think about this sometimes. It's kind of, we, it drifts from our minds. Not that we want it to. We get busy with other things. We get engrossed in other things, just the cares and the busyness of life. But I want to remind you of this one thing tonight, and that is that this world is not our home. If you're a born-again child of God, you're on foreign soil this evening because our home as God's elect, born-again, redeemed children, our home is heaven. That's our home. So tonight, you're not home. You're away from home. You're on foreign soil your name has been written down in the very Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. And your home is heaven. How do I know that? Well, what does the word of God say? Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. I want you to listen closely to this verse. The Holy Spirit says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior. See, our, our citizenship is in heaven. Jesus is at home in heaven at the right hand of Father God. That's our home. He's coming to get us. There's a great change coming. It's not, it's not always going to be like this. It's not always going to. Listen, there's sickness down here. At our home in heaven, there's no sickness there. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. There's no death. There's no hospitals. Why? Because heaven is a place of perfection. Heaven is a place of peace and righteousness. Heaven is a place that everything is centered on, on God. Everything is centered on Jesus up there. But he says our citizenship is in heaven. Then it says, well, if we're eagerly wait for our Savior, our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, who will transform our lowly body. Think about it. He will transform our lowly body that it might be conformed to his glorious body according to the working which he's even able to subdue all things to himself. This corruption that we have in, in this fallen body, this body that's not yet redeemed, this corruption, it's, the scripture says, it's gonna put on incorruption one day, glory to God. We're gonna put, how, how's it gonna happen? Jesus is gonna subdue all that's evil, all of death, He's going to subdue it. He's going to put it under his feet. And he's going to give us a brand new body. Glory to God. Say amen to that. Amen. How do I know this world's not our home? Peter, Peter 2.11 says, and this is the Christian Standard Version, said, Dear friends, I urge you, urge you as strangers, I love this, and temporary residents. Listen, temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires which war against you, which war against the soul. 
What about 1 John 3? Listen, behold what manner of love, love the Father has bestowed upon us. You know what that means? Look at the cross. Behold what manner of love the Father's bestowed on Look at what Jesus did on the cross. God in his mercy. And we're, we're, we're getting into Passion Week. We're getting into Holy Week. We're getting into that week where he rode in Jerusalem when he offered his kingship. But they said, we don't want him. Let your blood be upon us and our children. And, and, and on that Friday, he hangs on the cross. Behold what love that God would send his only begotten son to redeem us. Notice this, that we should be called the children of God. You know who you are? Some of you have forgotten who you are. You're a child of God. You've been born again. You are royalty. You are, the, you are a child of the living God. Now notice this. It says, therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. They look at us and they do not realize that we, our Father is the, is the God of the universe. Our Father's the creator. Our Father's the Almighty. They don't know us, but they didn't know him. They said he's the carpenter's son. They said he, he's just this Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything come out good come out of Nazareth? They didn't know him, but we know him. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the Prince of glory. And it says, behold, verse 2, now we are the children of God. And it has not been revealed what we shall be fully. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And notice, everyone that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. Do I, how, do, how do I know somebody's getting ready for the presence of the Lord? How are they living? Are they trying to live a life of obedience toward God? I want to remind you of something, church, tonight, and that is this world is not our home. We're only passing through. Amen. Now think about this. Because the world's not my home, because the world's not your home, I'm not seeking its approval. I'm not seeking its glory. I'm not seeking its fame. I'm not seeking its riches. I'm not seeking its pleasures. I am not seeking to be accepted by this world. Why would, why would we say that? Because we have a choice to make. I want you to listen to James chapter 4 and verse number 4. Here's what it says. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know? Now listen, this is clear. This was written, of course, by the Holy Spirit, inspired the half-brother of Jesus. This is a man that grew up with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gave him these words. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We have a choice to make. We have a choice. We're either going to be friends of the world and an enemy of God, or we're going to choose to be a friend of God and an enemy to this world system and all that it stands for. Do you know that Jesus faced opposition from this world? A lot of people think they know who Jesus is, but they don't know who he is. Many don't. Many have kind of an idea that they formed in their mind, but it's a false idea. Do you realize that Jesus was opposed by this world? Of course, he went to the cross. Why did they oppose him? It says in the book of John, chapter 7, verse 7, the words of Jesus, the world cannot hate you, it says, 
but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. Jesus pulled no punches. Jesus didn't wear kid gloves. Jesus didn't compromise his father's message. Jesus gave the exact words that the father gave him. What, the, what he heard the father say, he said, that's what I say. He wasn't ashamed of the words of his father. And when he came and gave them the words of his father, when he came and told them what the father thought about the things that they were doing, it says that they hated him for it. Now think about this. Jesus created the world. He created this world in all of its vast magnificence and beauty. And yet when he came to visit the world he created, they rejected him. Listen to John 1 and 11. It says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. He came unto his own world and he came unto his own Jewish nation in which he was born. He came to his own. He owns it all. And yet they rejected him. Now think about this. God created the worlds in Genesis 1. You can read it. It says that he created all, and then it says, he said, this is very good. Very good. The world was created, not by the big bang, but it was created by my father, by the father, by the son, and by the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. And then God spoke, let there be light. And there was light. And throughout that first chapter of Genesis, God speaks. And the power of his words created out of nothing something, the world that we inhabit today. And then we know that in, in creation, two things are revealed in creation. He said, what is revealed? The power of God and the existence of God. Now, think about Jeremiah 32 in verse number 17. Jeremiah 32 in verse 17. I must get my glasses. Don't know what that is. Jeremiah chapter, chapter 32. Listen to this verse. Jeremiah 32. This is one of my favorite verses in the scripture. Jeremiah 32 in verse number 17. He said this. Ah, Lord God. Oh, love that. Ah, Lord God. Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. And nothing is too hard for you. Creation reveals the power of God. What kind of being, what kind of being could create the stars and fling them into space? What kind of being could create the, the solar system, the Milky Way? An awesome God of amazing, unlimited, almighty power. The creation reveals his power, but it also reveals our God's existence. Romans 1 says this in verse 20. Since the creation of the world, his, that's God's, 
His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, that they are without excuse. So creation, the world, remember I said, this world is not my home, but yet this is a world in which our Father created. The creation reveals the power of God. The creation reveals the attributes of God. What do we see in our natural world? What we see is creativity. We see the blue sky. We see the hummingbird that should not be able to fly, but he can. We see the creativity of God. We see the unity of God. We see God can paint a sunset in a moment's time, wipe it away and do it all over again. And man could never do it once. He's a creative God. He's a God of order. The sun rises in the same place every day. We see order. We see unity. We see creativity. We see love and care. God provides the rain this week for the birds and the animals. We see a caring God, a loving God. So he created this God. We see the power of God. We see the existence of God. But think about this. God not only created a, uh, the, the inanimate world, but he created man. He created us. He created man in his likeness and in his image. We have the privilege of being the image bearers of God. That means we have the ability to have relationship. We have the ability, we have free moral agency. We have the freedom of choice. We have, uh, we're, we're, we create things. I mean, I think of this phone right here. That's amazing creation of a human being created in the image of God. When I think about that phone that's been intricately created, what I think about is God. You say, oh, you think about, don't you think about man? No, I don't think about man. I think about a God who created human beings in his likeness that could create something like that. God did that. But think about this. He created Adam and Eve from the dust of the ground, Eve out of his side. And he created them sinless, perfect, they had no sin. They had, they had no sin nature. They were placed in a perfect environment called the Garden of Eden. They walked in a fellowship with God during that time of innocence that we can only dream of. Listen, we as Christians, we love the Holy Spirit. We love to feel the Holy Spirit. We love to pray in the Spirit. We love to worship in the Spirit. We love to get together with God's people. And all of a sudden, God manifests his glory and power. And we feel God. And we walk with God in his word. And we love it. But I can, I can only imagine what it was like before sin entered the human heart. That perfect environment, walking with God. We don't know what it was like, but it had to be glorious. We don't know how long they walked with God before sin entered the human race. But we know that fellowship must have been wonderful. But our world is much different before the fall, before the fall of man in Genesis 3 I'm referring to. The world could be characterized by harmony, peace, righteousness there must have been a physical beauty in the world that is indescribable even now our world in its fallen state has a beauty has a magnificence has a glory about it and yet it's a fallen world 
Our world's groaning. We have coronavirus. We have this plague sweeping the world. That was never God's plan. Wasn't in the garden. We had, even this week or a few days ago, had an earthquake in Utah, 6.5 earthquake. Our world is groaning. Creation is groaning. Creation is longing for redemption, just like we're longing for redemption, but in a different way, of course. The world today, though, is much different from that first creation. The world today could be characterized by it's full of disease, poverty, injustice, rebellion, idolatry, violence. We have a world that is in conflict. We have a world that Jesus said in the last times, birth pains would happen, there would be wars and rumors of wars. We live in a corrupt world. And you may ask why it's corrupt. The Bible gives the answer. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. Verse 4, 2 Peter 1, 4. By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Notice that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption. Having escaped the corruption. How? Look, that is in the world through lust. That means evil cravings. Our world is corrupt today because men's heart, for the most part, is corrupt. Our world is corrupt today. Why is there violence? The evil hearts of men. Why is there injustice? The evil hearts of men. Why are these things? Because man's heart is far from God. Our world is very different. I thought about this today. Our world is like a sick patient with an incurable disease. And it's grasping and gasping for its last breath. The doctors are looking for every remedy. The patient is getting worse and worse, not better. Our world is like that sick patient. Our world is sick. Our world is fallen. Our world is separated from God. And yet... Mankind is looking for every remedy, every remedy. They're looking here, they're looking there for every remedy to no avail. Our world is still fallen. After all the human remedies, after all the earthly remedies, after every human idea you can imagine, after all the most brilliant minds that this world could come up with, and we're still sick, lives are still broken, people are still drug addicts, and 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 perverts and bound in sin and in darkness. Marriages are still broken. Unkindness is everywhere. Why? Our world is sick. This is a sick world. I thought about this. I thought about this familiar story in John chapter 5, and I'll just refer to it. I won't read it. But in John 5, there was a man laying by a pool. In fact, there was many, many laying there full of sickness full of disease, full of infirmities. Can you, imagine, can you imagine what living among that was like? And there's one man that Jesus signaled out. There's one man that Jesus spoke to. The scripture said that he had been in that place a long time. 
Well, I want you to know that our world has been like it is for a very long time. From the, from the moment of Genesis chapter 3, our world has been infirmed. Like that man laying by the pool, helpless, looking for answers. Jesus said, do you want to be made well? And you know what he said? He said, I have no one. I have no man to put me in the water. I have no man to help me do this. And Jesus spoke to him and said, take up your mat. Take up your mat and walk. And I think maybe, maybe the Lord is asking us that question tonight. Maybe he's asking our nation that question tonight. Maybe he's asking our world that question tonight. Do you want to be better? Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be healed of the evil? Do you want to be healed of your brokenness? Do you want to be healed of your, infants, uh, your, your emptiness? Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be made well? And then you have people saying, well, I have, I have no one to help me here and no one to help me there. Listen, the Bible said the wages of sin is death. You know what death means? Death means the departure from life. Death means the departure from life. And isn't that what we have done as a human race? We have departed from the life giver. We have departed from the one who said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have life more abundantly. Jeremiah said it well. Could have been written in the New York Times today. He said in 2.13 of Jeremiah, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Our world has tried everything, and we're no better. Our world has tried everything, and there's still wars. Our world has tried everything, and there's still poverty. Our world has tried everything, and people can't stay married. We can't stay off drugs. We can't stay. We're enslaved to everything in the world. Why? We have departed from the only answer, and his name is Jesus. The only answer. The only answer is Jesus. So think about it. Think about it this evening. This world that our Father created, this world, the moment, the moment that we say yes to Jesus, that moment our citizenship gets transferred from earth to heaven. This world's not our home. This world's philosophies are completely against any, everything we believe in this world. Worldly wisdom, uh, Paul talked about in, that in 1 Corinthians. Talked about worldly wisdom, how insufficient it is. See, worldly wisdom aggrandizes man. Worldly wisdom focus, focuses on human effort. Worldly wisdom negates God, pushes God out of the way. Worldly wisdom has to do with man's self-sufficiency, but it'll never save, it'll never redeem, it'll never bring peace to a troubled heart. It'll never forgive one sin. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. Only, only what Jesus did on Calvary 2,000 years ago can reconcile us with God. I want, I want you to consider just a few more thoughts and then we will pray together. But I want to remind you this evening 
that this world is not our home anymore. Just think about what the world is pursuing. It's not what we're pursuing and not what we should be pursuing. Think about what, the, what, the, what is the lost world pursuing? What, what really characterizes this world that has fallen and drifted from God? And, and one of the main things is physical desire, pleasure, things, earthly things, earthly, earthly pleasures, earthly things. Remember what John said, little John 1, 2, 2 15? He said, I want to remind you that love not the world. See, that's a love God hates. Now, love is the highest, is the highest attribute of, that we could have in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. True love is a wonderful thing. People, talk, people in this world talk a lot about love, but, but many times it's not real love. It's not Bible love. They, use this, they have the same vocabulary, but it's a whole different dictionary. God's love is very unique. God said this. He said through John, he said, do not love the world or anything in the world. Notice this, for all that is in the world, then he lists this first thing, the lust of the flesh. That's the cravings of, of physical pleasure, the craving of the human heart, the lust of the heart for pleasure, for physical, physical desire. Do you know one of the commands, one of the 10 commandments, two of those commands, one says, do not commit adultery, and the other says, do not covet don't covet your neighbor's house. Don't covet his wife. Don't covet his, anything that he has. And, and yet this drives our world today. This drives our world. The Bible said in Proverbs 27, 20, listen to this verse. We're almost finished. Proverbs 27, verse 20. Here's what it says. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Do you realize that contentment is a rare jewel even among Christians? The Lord said, be content with the things that you have. That you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. We can be content because we know that the Lord will supply everything that we need. But it says here, the, heart of, the, the eyes of man are never satisfied. My late father-in-law used to say this, by and by man is a fool. When it is hot, he wants it cool. When it is cool, he wants it hot. He always wants it what it's not. Think about that kind of bondage that our world is in. Never satisfied. Always being driven by this evil desire, this craving. It's never, ever enough. What a, what a slave if someone's in that. Jesus said these words in the great book of Luke. In the book of Luke chapter 12, in verse number 15, listen to these words. Luke 12 and 15. He says these words, take heed, take heed church. Our Lord says take heed and beware of covetousness for one's life does not consist of the abundance of things 
he possesses. Your life is not about how much money you have. Your life is not about what position or power or your reputation or the kind of car you drive or how big your, your house is or the kind of clothes you wear. That is not what, what we're about. That does not determine who you are. Your life does not consist of that. You have higher ideals. You are a child of God. And you are rich tonight. You have something that the world cannot, cannot give you. You have riches the world doesn't even know. You have the riches of the spirit of the living God. This world will never satisfy you. If you're not satisfied with Jesus, his love, his Holy Spirit, and his word, then I want to tell you, you certainly would not be satisfied if somebody gave you a million dollars. If somebody gave you a million dollars, you'd say, I've got to have two million dollars. But when you have Jesus, you have it all. You have him who's the fairest of 10,000 to our souls. You have him who is wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. You can have this world, give me Jesus. You can have it all, give me Jesus. Because one day, this world that's not our home, it's going to burn with a fervent heat. And everything that everyone's pursuing and running after and things and more things and and they want more and they're never satisfied. All of that is going to slip through their hands one day. But you mark my word, when you lay treasure in heaven, it will never, rust will never corrode it. Moth will never eat it away. We are investing in eternity. You can have this world. Give me Jesus. And you should say amen to that. You should say amen to that. Jesus said, beware of covetousness. That's what this world's all about. They're pursuing more and more and more. I, th- I saw a, 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 a documentary about the Titanic and a depiction about the Titanic. And you know that that Titanic was going down and, and many people were going, this is done, it can't be sunk. We, we heard that it can't be sunk. And they were, they were still just relaxing. This Titanic had struck the iceberg there in the North Atlantic. It was going down. And yet some were still playing games. They were eating in the dining rooms. They were laughing and they were joking. And all the time it was sinking. Well, I can tell you, this world's sinking. And we need to get right with God. This world's not our home. We're here on a missionary assignment. We're here to be the ambassadors of Christ. We need to get as many people as we can saved. We need to share the gospel. The Bible said the church is going to be active in these times. The gospel will be preached in all the world. How's that going to happen? You and I are going to get busy. We're not going to lock ourselves away. We're going to get busy. We're going to preach the gospel to everyone who will listen. Now, a couple more things and I I want to finish this. But I just want to remind you of something that is vitally important, and that's this. This world is not our home. Some of you that are watching, you've forgotten. You've forgotten. Back a month, two months ago, you're thinking about maybe softball, volleyball, maybe thinking about building a shed in your backyard, maybe thinking about something else, and all of a sudden, it's just kind of out of your mind. And now all of this has happened. And we're reminded again, this world is not our home. Now, I want us to pray. I'll close there. Let's let's pray a little bit here, church.
Let's pray. And uh, I will read this last one. If you would, guys, if you would put this up, John 17, verse 6. I want to read one more little passage of scripture here. And these are the words of Jesus. These, this is the prayer. This is what we call, we call it Jesus' high priestly prayer. John got in on it because he recorded it. Wouldn't it have been ma- amazing to have heard the voice of Jesus, to hear what his voice print sounded like? I, I, I can just imagine that Jesus' voice print was, was almost like a baritone type voice. Very smooth. I mean, when, the, when they told him to go arrest Jesus, and then they came back and they hadn't arrested him, they said, why didn't you arrest him? What did they say? No man, no man ever spoke like that man. His voice was captivating. But here, we get a private moment. Jesus is in a private moment of prayer. And in the private moment of prayer, John is listening. And the Holy Spirit caused him to write this down. Now, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus' prayer. Now, now remember, Jesus is in a private moment praying to his Father. Notice what he says about us. We pick it up in John 17, verse 6. He says, I have manifested your name to the men that you've given me out of the world. Out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, They have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given them the words which you have given to me. You have given me. And they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for those whom whom you've given me. For they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Now notice that Jesus says, I'm not in the world anymore. He said, I'm about to leave. But he said, these, my people, are in the world. But notice this. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. But now I come to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they, that they, uh, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, that the world And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Now listen to that again. They are not of the world just like I'm not of the world. Listen, just like Jesus is not of this world, you and I as children of God are not of this world. Verse verse 15, I do not pray that you would take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. 
There he says it again. Verse 17, sanctify them by your truth. Your word, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by my truth. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are not of this world any longer, that the spirit that's in us cries, Abba, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us from this wicked, sinful world, not because we deserve it, but simply and marvelously because of grace, because of the grace of God, because of your mercy. You have lifted us up in the heavenly places in Christ. You loved us. You elected us. Thank you for your mercies. Thank you for your blessing and your kindness. Lord, remind us as your people that we are not of this world. Remind us, Lord, that you're going to keep us and you're going to sanctify us. And Lord, even these trials that are going on, you're going to use them to sanctify us and to draw us close to you. And you're going to keep us during this time. Keep us in the love of God. You said, keep yourself in the love of God. Draw us near to you during these times, oh Father. I pray against the fear. I pray against anxiety, Lord. Let it, I pray for a spirit of rest to equip your people. I pray for a spirit of rest, a spirit of refreshing to equip your people right now. Lord, I pray for an anointing to go forth. I pray, God, that that anointing that brings rest would be upon us. Lord, reveal yourself to your people. Reveal your word. Reveal your plans. Lord, none of this took you by surprise. I just pray for marvelous grace. Hallelujah. Now let's just take another moment here before we conclude this meeting. And let's just worship together. We just worship the Lord. We lift up the mighty name of Jesus. We glorify you. We honor you. We bring honor to Jesus. Church, this is the refreshing. This is the rest that the Lord gives. This is the refreshing. It's in the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit that is your comforter. It's the Holy Spirit that will be your guide. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to renew and strengthen you. So rely on Him. Trust in Him. Be being filled with Him, says the Lord. Let Him strengthen you. Let the feeble hands that hang down, the weak knees, be strengthened tonight. Put on strength in the name of the Lord. The Lord is your strength. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Let his grace tonight be multiplied to you in amazing and in marvelous ways. Renew your mind in the word of God. This world is not your home. This world is not our home. We, we don't live by the principles of this world. Yes, we live in this world. Yes, we suffer like our lost people around us suffer. But we have a God that is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. We are never alone. We are never alone. You are never alone. The Holy Spirit is with you always. And we rejoice in that.